Hey everybody, Christy here from Old Timey Crimey. We would like to announce that for the somewhat foreseeable future, we will be releasing the Old Tiny Crimeys weekly on Mondays. They will still remain on the Patreon, so if you're interested in the other offerings we have there, go to it. But uh, in these times, I think everybody needs a little extra distraction. And uh, what's more distracting than gruesome murder? So uh, enjoy and stay safe. Y'all listening to Old Tiny Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Old Tiny Crimey. I am Scott. With me tonight is Christy. Hey. And Amber. Hello. And they don't know what the hell I'm going to be talking about. We usually don't. Yeah, I, people usually don't know what the hell I'm talking about, even several minutes into whenever I start talking. But <laughs> tonight we are going to be speaking of one William Burry. Mm. Yes, William Burry. Okay. He was uh, born May 25th, 1859 in Strawbridge, England, which, by the way, is famous for the manufacturing of glass. William was the youngest of four children. Three months after he was born, his eldest sister, Elizabeth Ann, died at age seven from epilepsy. Uh, William's mother, Mary Jane, extremely depressed. Uh, And then to make things worse, in in April 10th of 1860, his father, Henry, who was a fishmonger, was crushed by the wheels of his own cart. He fell off his carriage and fell underneath the wheels and was crushed by it. Uh, was he drunk? I don't believe he was drunk. I don't believe he was drunk. I think he just kind of kind of fell off. That's uh, just a cascade of tragedy. It absolutely is. And it, oh, it, it gets so much better because Now, are we blaming the kid for this cuz he was only a few months old when his sister died. So he like he didn't do that. Oh, no, no, no. We are not blaming okay. the kids for this. We are just <laughs> we are just setting up a psychological history at this point. Okay, fair. Mary Jane can't take this. May 7th, 1860, she is committed to Worcester County Pauper Asylum. And that's where she stays until until uh, March 30th, 1864, when she dies in the asylum at the ripe old age of 33. Oh, no. Oh, wow. Yeah. The children are taken in by a family friend, William. He's, he's now age 16. He gets work as a clerk in a warehouse. Uh, he has to leave in 1880. He fails to repay a loan. He moves into Wolverhampton to live with his uncle. He works in a lock factory in 1884, fired for theft. So he's failing to repay loans. He's fired for theft. What's the next thing you do? You become a door-to-door salesman. Because, I was going to go with bank robber. Uh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> okay. No worries. Um, did, I, did I hit the nail on the head? You did not. You did not. Oh, if only he was it. a bank robber. If only. <laughs> Things would have been so much better. One hates to go, oh, you know what? Bank robber, step up. But in this case, yes, it, it definitely would have been. Um, Better than stealing locks. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. 
Uh, October 1887, Barry moves to London. He works as, I can't imagine this is, a, this is still an occupation, he works as a sawdust collector. What? <laughs> Was he a basket weaver on the side? Right, right. Sawdust. Underwater basket weaver. What, oh, do you, yes. what do you do for a living? I collect powdered wood. It's not not anything that I, I can see as is as uh as an occupation nowadays. He It's not powdered wood, it's man glitter. Right ooh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> to be more of a man, he sleeps in a stable. But his boss, James Martin, allows him into the house for, for winter. Martin's cleaning woman is the sexy, sexy Ellen Elliott. She is thirty one years old in eighteen eighty seven. She has some education, but she's had a very hard life. In 1883, she gave birth to an illegitimate daughter, but that daughter died in 1885. Um, she's, she does have some money, though. In 1886, she's left some shares in the railroad company, which was burgeoning at that time, by her aunt, um, William and Ellen, in such a sweet move, William and Ellen begin dating. Uh, however, William liked to drink, but he was an angry drunk. And once again, Martin, he fires William for unpaid debts. But he goes to Ellen and go, baby, I love you. You love me. Our genitals fit together so nicely. How about <laughs> you move in with me? And they are married April 2nd of 1888. Um, I mean, that's fair. That's how me and my husband got married. I, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> Now, here's something you and your husband didn't do. Five days later, uh, William threatens Ellen with a knife. This is oh, five, you know? five, well, five days after you were married. Did, did Marcus chase you around with a knife? Why do you think it'd be Marcus? That's true. <laughs> did you chase Marcus around with a knife? Actually, I did with the day of the wedding. I took the cake knife, and there's actually a picture of me holding the cake knife up to him threatening him I, I so uh i didn't even get five days i love you guys <laughs> that's actually my favorite picture from the wedding is is me threatening him with the cake knife man uh <laughs> what well, okay i know this didn't happen it wasn't witnessed by your landlady and you weren't evicted because you were chasing around marcus with a knife guess what happened to william and sure. ellen <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> So now they're homeless. Ellen has to take her railroad shares to survive. Uh, but they go back, to, go back to their old boss, James Martin. And James Martin goes, yeah, okay. I, would, uh, I feel sorry for you guys. And Martin did like Ellen. He, he, really, he really enjoyed Ellen's company. And he goes, yeah, come on in. But uh, William Burry, he continues to drink. And would often beat Ellen after drinking. And Martin is so concerned for Ellen's safety. In June of 1888, Mr. Martin notices some things missing. Uh, he goes to William. It's obvious William has taken them. And Mr. Martin goes, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm sorry. You're fired. To survive, Ellen ends up selling more shares of the railroad. William, once again... I can't see this being a job. William purchases a horse and cart so that he, he can become a sawdust merchant. What? Well, it's a step up from sawdust collector, I guess. I, you know I what? Guess? 
He, uh, you know what? I'm tired of just being someone's sawdust collector. I'm going to go right to the source and become the sawdust merchant myself. <laughs> Why was man. sawdust in such high demand? From what I understood, it was actually it was actually sold uh, sold to schools and to hospitals to be used as a cleaning supply. Yeah, they did that when we were in grade school and little kids puked. Exactly, exactly. So it was used to soak up bodily fluids. Yeah. Now, one of the tenets of business is if you're in business for yourself, you have to take a portion of the money and pay yourself. And the rest of the money goes back into your business. That's not the way William Burry did things. He would, I'm not surprised. Yeah, he would take his money... <laughs> And he would spend it all on booze in what would be considered a very risky business venture. Um, <laughs> so William and Ellen end up moving off and they are evicted time after time after time due to his anger. In January of 1889, William goes, fuck this, I'm leaving London. And he moves to Dundee, England. However, he tells his landlord, Mr. Smith, He's moving to Australia. Not another part of London, or not another part of England, but Australia. Would you please build me a large trunk for our possessions? Mm -hmm. Mr. Smith goes, you know what? You own approximately three square feet of anything. I don't, <laughs> don't understand why you need this trunk that would be, you know, capable of holding a human body, but okay, why not? <laughs> That sounds like foreshadowing. Mm -hmm. Just a little. I'm, I'm sensing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On January 19th, the couple boards the steamer Cambria to Dundee. On the 20th, they find lodging in Dundee from a Mr. and Mrs. Robinson. They stayed one week. They left claiming the rent was too high. And Mrs. Robinson was later, later uh, known to say that he, she was kind of relieved because William was kind of a fucking creep. He would <laughs> kind of skulk around, around the apartment. He would sneak up behind her and just sort of be there. It was, yeah, she was very, very relieved that they, that they left. William and Ellen end up moving into a basement of a shop. So they are now in a subterranean lair. They, on, on February 4th, they go to a Miss Janet Martin's shop. Uh, William ends up buying rope and spends the rest of the day going into, going into a courtroom and listening to court cases. That's yeah. an odd agenda. Absolutely. So, but what I'm hearing here is I don't know what's going to happen. I hope it's not Ellen, but it's probably going to be her because she's the idiot that stayed. Um, but he's trying to get a trunk big enough for a body. He buys a rope and then he goes to listen to court cases. So he's obviously going to kill somebody. You got it. You got it. February 10th, 1889. William enters uh, the Bell Street police station. He's greeted by an officer, James Parr. He tells him he went to sleep, woke up to find his wife's body on the floor and a rope around her neck. Oh, yeah, that's definitely something you just wake up to. Yeah. It just happened while I was sleeping. Officer Parr goes, hey, did you get a doctor? Burry goes, uh, no, I cut her up and put her in a, into the trunk. And Parr goes, why? 
He goes, I'm afraid of being accused of being Jack the Ripper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that's what they all say. <laughs> yeah, he was afraid that he was going to be accused of being Jack the Ripper. Burry is placed into a cell, and Officer David Lamb and Detective Constable Peter Campbell go to Barry's basement, and they do indeed find Ellen's body in the trunk. Uh, they, they call in a Dr. Templeton and Dr. Stolka. They find that the cause of death is strangulation. There are other injuries that match the Ripper case. Hmm. A cut open abdomen. The left leg was broken in order to fit her body into the trunk. He put books into the trunk with her, and they looked at the body and went, yeah, she's been dead for about five days. Uh, and, of course, William Burry is charged with murder. Uh, now, now, Ripperologists will, will tell you there is some unusual graffiti that is found in some of the Ripper cases, and they actually find two messages written in chalk near the basement. Uh, the two messages are Jack the Ripper is at the back of the door and Jack the Ripper is in the cellar. The press reacts calmly and skeptically. Just kidding. Uh, they, fucking, <laughs> they fucking lose it. Uh, the police interview his neighbors. Uh, one of the neighbors, Marjorie Smith, says Burry asked to borrow a meat cleaver and she went, fuck no! Uh, which is an amazing amount of calmness. Uh, David Walker, a friend, says William Burry often asked him about Jack the Ripper news. And then Chief Constable Dewar, he sends a telegram to the London police force detailing the crime. This, uh, this gets to London police officer Inspector Frederick Abilene. He interviews, uh, he interviews William Burry's friends uh, in London, and he goes, no, this, isn't, this is not Jack the Ripper. I, I don't think it is. The trial begins March 29th, 1889. And William Burry pleads not guilty. He, he says his wife and he were out drinking. And he finds her dead on the floor in the morning. And there's no recollection of him committing a crime. And he looks at her and he goes, uh, I'm going to cut open her belly and hide her in the trunk because I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be fingered as Jack the Ripper. It's very smart to do things that make you seem more Ripper-ish. Exactly. And then say you didn't want to be accused of being Jack the Ripper. Like, I don't want people to accuse me of being a teacher, so I'm going to go stand in front of this classroom and lecture. <laughs> right, right. How, how odd. Now, now, William Burry's lawyer, he insists on a second autopsy. This autopsy is carried out by doctors David Lennox and William Kinnear. Uh, they conclude that Ellen committed suicide. What? <laughs> yeah, all the cuts are post-mortem. Ah, she did it to herself. And then the prosecution goes, come the fuck on. We want a third autopsy. And they get Dr. Henry Littlejohn, and he, he goes, he looks at the body and just goes, yeah, this woman was murdered. N note, note the strangulation. It's, it's very hard to strangle yourself. Um... <laughs> The jury deliberates uh, 13 hours. And the jury deems uh, William Burry guilty, but they recommend mercy due to the conflicting medical evidence. 
Now, now the judge, uh, Judge Lord Young, goes, I want you to really reconsider this. Go back in. And the jury comes back five minutes later and they went, yeah, no mercy. Let's kill him. (laughs) (laughs) That's better. Yeah. So uh, shortly before his execution, uh, William Burry admits to killing Ellen. Uh, Shocking. Yeah. On April 22nd, he wrote a confession uh, that was to be held until after his death. Uh, on April 24th, in front of 5,000 witnesses, a crowd of 5,000 gathered to see William Burry hung. He turns. I wonder, to, I wonder how many of those people he owed money to. I bet a lot. <laughs> I bet a lot. <laughs> I'm so I'll never see. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. I'll never. Okay, I'll never see that 10 pounds again, but at least I can see this bastard swing. <laughs> if Whenever the rope gets taut, if any coins fall out of his pocket, I'm claiming them. Those are mine. <laughs> he turns to the hangman, whose name was James Barry, and says, I suppose you think you are clever to hang me. Doesn't make any sense. He's, he's hanged at 8 a.m. And James Barry actually believed William Burry to be Jack the Ripper. Um, and there is, there is some proof that Burry might have been indeed Jack the Ripper. The, the last death in Whitechapel coincides with William Burry moving. Um, however, there, there, is a, uh, there is a Dr. Thomas Bond who says that uh, that Mary Kelly was not Jack the Ripper's last victim, that there was uh, that three months after William Burry was hung, there is an Alice McKenzie found dead in Whitechapel. Many believe Alice to be Jack the Ripper's final, final victim, as does Dr. Thomas Bond. Uh, William Burry, he, he may have been Jack the Ripper, at least his executioner and several policemen believed him to be so. And that is the weird, fucked up tale of maybe Jack the Ripper. <laughs> <laughs> that is weird and fucked up. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't see. He doesn't seem very intelligent. And while they do say that killers actually tend to be of average intelligence, he seemed to be of below average intelligence. And I don't I see got him being that able to, like. Too. Yeah, he didn't seem to be like the type who could get away. Well, he didn't get away with it, but get away even for a little while with with something like the Ripper murders. Like that doesn't seem seems like somebody would have been on to him, or he would have given away the game in like two seconds flat. Yeah, yeah. He he didn't seem to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. Oh no, that I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, bad analogy. Bad Scott. Bad Scott. He he wasn't that the was, longest noose lovely. at the gallows. <laughs> he wasn't the tightest rope around the neck. God damn it, they just keep getting worse. He wasn't uh, the biggest chest that could hold a human body. Oh no. <laughs> he wasn't the biggest intestine in the in the Oh no. We're just going right, to stop. All right. No, stop. <laughs> You're done. I'm done. I'm done. Cut off. So I, I think this is the point where I go. I, I want to thank our Patreon supporters. Uh, I hope you enjoy uh, this week's show. Uh, we're going to do the Atlanta Ripper. We always try to have the old tiny kind of match the the uh, the uh, the free show. So thank you very much for your support. 
Have a good week. We'll see you over on the free side. Take care, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.